0: Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message of the week. Uh, Well, my name is Josh Johnson. I am the youth pastor here at New Song Church. And since Pastor Justin is gone, you get me today. And uh, there's a couple things about being a youth pastor. One, it means that I probably need at least twice as many prayers as you give the rest of the staff. And the other thing is, is I'm used to speaking to teenagers on a weekly basis and I usually get, if I'm lucky, about 15 good minutes of attention. So when I, when I have to get the heart of the message through to them, I have no time to sugarcoat it. I have to give it to them straight. So I wanted to ask you guys, is it all right if I don't sugarcoat it this morning? Is it okay if I just give it to you straight this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Remember, you gave me permission for that. So you are to blame, not me. But uh, we're going to be reading, uh, I'm going to be speaking to you out of uh, Luke chapter 14 uh, verses 25 through 35. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke chapter 14 verse 25. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. They're going to put it up on the screen for you. So it says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said... If anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Ouch. Ouch. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this tremendous privilege, Lord God, to be able to minister your word, Lord, to your people. And Lord, I just pray right now that under the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you would prepare the hearts and the minds and the ears to listen that are out in this crowd. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, that these would be your words and not mine. And that when everyone in this congregation looks up here, they do not see or hear me, that they see and hear you, Lord God. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's this amazing passage of scripture. And and if you, I don't know about you, but for me, when I read that, it's like a swift punch in the gut. Like that is a heavy bit of scripture right there. And Jesus is giving us a great lesson in just 10 verses. Now, these 10 verses could easily be a three-week series, but I've got about 26 minutes, so you're gonna, just gonna have to buckle your seatbelt. So the passage begins with a crowd, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is going from place to place, and that that large crowd is following him. So right off the bat, there's two things that I need you to know. Number one is the fact that following Jesus is the smartest thing that any person could ever do. And if you're out there and you're in the building this morning and you have yet to discover the awe-inspiring wonder that is a personal relationship with Jesus, then hang around another 25 minutes because I'm going to give you an opportunity to experience the power of that before this day is out. The second thing I need you to know is that being a follower of Jesus is the most life-changing experience available on this planet. And if you believe that today, could we just give him a little bit of praise this morning? Come on. There's got to be somebody in the building that has experienced some tremendous life change from a relationship with Jesus. You see, it's a great idea to follow Jesus, but it's a bad idea to be content with just being one of the crowd. If you're you're looking for a foolproof way, though, to mess up your life, if you want to really do a number on your life, then go through life with the outlook of, I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing. Have you ever heard somebody justify a really stupid decision by saying, well, everybody else was doing it? It reminds me, I, I I was guilty of that. I mean, have any of you ever been guilty of that? Or maybe it's just me, maybe it's just me. But with me, I remember uh, being in school and actually it was the very last day of my senior year, which was in 2001, which doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but I can tell you the teenagers remind me every week, Pastor Josh, I wasn't even born then. And I'm like, thank you for that. Thank you, I appreciate you for reminding me of that. But it was the last day of senior year and some of my buddies uh, said, man, you know what we need to do? We need to go out to the Alva Bridge and we need to jump off the Alva Bridge into the Clusahatchee River. And of course, I'm a stupid 17 year old kid at the time. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So sure enough, the last bell rings and we go heading out to the Alva Bridge, which is about five minutes from our school. And I don't remember how high it was. I remember it was plenty high, it was higher than a high dive. And we would jump into the Caloosahatchee River. I had never done this. And so I get up there, and there's a whole line of us. And all I'm thinking is, I don't want to get water shooting up in my nose. So as I jump, I plug my nose. And the water, the impact, shoots my elbow up, and I literally jam myself in the nose. Bloody nose, it's a mess. I learned a very important lesson that day, church. I learned that... uh, just because everybody else jumps off a bridge doesn't mean that you should. And I tell the teenagers that all the time, too, is, you know, just because everybody's popping it, snorting it, shooting it, and smoking it doesn't mean that you should, too. I'm telling you, new song, just because everyone else in the crowd is doing it doesn't mean for a second that you should allow your individuality to fall victim to a corporate mindset. God doesn't want you to be one in a billion. He wants you to be one. He's created you with a purpose on purpose. He doesn't want you to be anything other than that. That's why the Bible says that he counts you by name and not by number. You aren't human number one billion seven eighty eight. No, you're Lucas. You're not just part of the crowd. You're Heather, Right? You are a child of God, a treasured child of, child of God, and God has placed a purpose inside of you, and it's important that you don't forget that. So the Bible goes on to tell us in this scripture that the large crowd is following Jesus down the road, and they're there in large part because of the things that Jesus did, because of the things that Jesus was doing. And I get it, because I mean, if you lived in the Bible times and you wanted to hang with somebody, Jesus was a pretty good guy to hang with. I mean, think about it. When Jesus showed up, deaf people didn't stay deaf. Blind people didn't stay blind. As a matter of fact, in many situations, dead people didn't even stay dead. When Jesus showed up and he was among the people, sicknesses were cured. Lame people began to walk. And Jesus... Following Jesus was obviously a good idea and it still is today. But Jesus, as he's around this crowd, notices, he can sense that many in the crowd are simply fans of his, but they're not truly devoted followers. So as he senses this, he opens his mouth and that's what he says. He says, if any of you wants to be my disciple, if you want to be a follower of me, you need to hate your mother hate your father, wife, your husband, your children, even your own life. And if you're not prepared to do that, you can't be my disciple. And when you read something like that, you think, man, what you talking about, Jesus? What is that? Like, Like, come on, man, isn't that a bit harsh? Because he's not talking about just random people here. He's talking about mom, dad, wife. Kids, brother, sister. He's basically saying, think of the people that mean the most to you in your life. And something about that relationship with them is going to have to change if you can truly be a follower of mine. And when you hear Jesus say something like that, it's sometimes a little hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? I know when I read that, it's, it's a struggle because hate is such a strong word. It evokes emotion immediately when you hear hate or say hate. Any of you get in trouble with your mom and dad if you would even say the word hate? Man, I remember things at school, man, would go on. I'd be like, come home and say, I just hate Tommy. Tripped me at lunch, got my food all over, my shirt, had to go to the school nurse and change. Hate him. And mom would be like, we don't say hate in this house. Sorry, mom. Mom. What I meant to say was, I strongly dislike Tommy for all of his wrongdoing to me and evil. But I mean, hate is such a strong word, we don't even like to use it. And when I hear Jesus saying, you need to hate, I thought, what in the world are you talking about? What do you mean I'm confused? Aren't you the same guy that said that the most important commandment was love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself? I'm a little confused here, Jesus. What are you trying to say to us? Need to hate. So I did what I usually do when I'm a little confused, which is often. I did a little research on this word hate and I discovered some things. I discovered that many times that when they try to get a word from the original manuscript of the Bible, in this case, the Greek, New Testament Greek, that a lot of times there's a difficulty trying to translate it into the modern language that we use and get a perfect translation. And that's kind of the case here where in large part because the translators really don't want to lose the passion of the word, but neither do they want to lose the intention. And in this case, I found out that this word hate in the original Greek, which is misos, can also be translated to love less, to love less. So Jesus is really saying here, if you want to be a follower of mine, then I need you to understand something. I need you to understand that you can't be a follower and have something in your life that you love more than me. Even if that's your wife, your kids, Jesus still has to be number one over them. He's saying, if you're truly gonna follow me, you can't have a relationship that matters more to you than me. You can't have an applause that you seek more than you seek me. You can't have a possession that you value higher than me. Jesus is basically saying, if this relationship is going to work, you have to put me first before anything else. It's kind of like, are there any guys in the building that, man, when you were growing up, you had a crew, right? Mostly, is there anybody? Like, you had a crew of guys that you just hung with. You did life together together. I mean, normally if you're a male between the ages of 16 to 25, like you had a posse, right? You did everything together, right? The moment you got that driver's license, man, you were doing everything with your boys. And, and the women already know this, but guys, we're, we, we're simple creatures, us guys. We're, we have routines, right? And we would have routines with our guys, right? So Sunday, depending on what time of year it was, you get together and you watch football at somebody's house. Monday night, you probably did the same thing at somebody else's house. Tuesday night was pool night. Wednesday night, it, it was probably basketball. You know, you played some pickup games or something. You know, fast forward to Friday night, it was 20 cent wing night somewhere and you were hanging out. Saturday night, guys night on the town. Like you did everything together. You were a brotherhood. Guess what? something happens to that brotherhood. And I'll tell you what happens normally. Little sweeter smell, longer hair. One of your boys, all of a sudden, his head's turned by the opposite sex. All of a sudden, when you're sitting there and and you and the guys are talking about football and free agency and, and where you can get the best burger in town... All of a sudden, your buddy Brad starts talking about Tiffany. Now, what are you talking about, Tiffany? We don't bring that stuff up, man. We're talking about football. He's bringing up Tiffany. And then all of a sudden, it progresses. Now, all of a sudden, it's Monday night. Everybody's over at Dave's house getting ready for Monday night football. Everybody's there, (laughs) except for Brad. So you call Brad on his phone. Brad, where you at? We're all getting together, man. We're watching the football game. I don't know where you're at. And then all of a sudden, Brad's like, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm over at Tiffany's house. Tiffany's house. (sighs) You find out he's not watching football because he's over at Tiffany's house watching The Notebook. It ain't right. It just ain't right. It was Monday night football. This is holy. What are you doing? Over at Tiffany's. Then there's something Is unsettling in the brotherhood when somebody loves something else more than the boys. And while it could be a really difficult and upsetting transition, I think everybody in the auditorium would agree with me that if this relationship is going to work, this transition has to be made, has to be made. If Brad and Tiffany are eventually going to enjoy a healthy marriage then the boys cannot matter more than the wife. The relationship won't endure if you allow other things to compete with it. And when we're talking about the context of Luke 14, we're not talking about just any relationship. We're not talking about just any love. We're not talking about Brad and Tiffany. No, we're talking about a savior, Jesus, the king of kings the Lord of lords, offering us a relationship with him. Think about that for a moment. We're talking about the same God that created the heavens and the earth. He hung the stars. He created you and me. And yet he's offering us, messed up, broken humanity, a relationship with him. How could we say no to that? Why would we say no to that? would we not fully surrender to that God? New Song, I need you to understand something. The goal of Christianity is not to make you nice. Jesus did not die on a cross so that you could be just kinder. It goes way deeper than that. Jesus died on a cross so that your sin could be forgiven. So that you could wake up every morning with a life filled with radical purpose. So that you could understand the fullness of God's plan for your life. And so that you could have access to God and power through his Holy Spirit. And yet we'll never have any access if we're not willing to fully surrender to him. Jesus is telling us in this scripture, hey man, this relationship between you and me, it's not gonna work if I become one of 14 other priorities in your life. It's just not gonna work. We have to love everything else less. And yet, I believe that one of the big challenges with our generation is perhaps the notion that you can just sample Jesus. That we can take a little bit of Jesus here and and a little bit of love for things over here and a pinch of worldly ambition over here and then an ounce of compassion and all of a sudden we've made ourselves this consumer spirituality. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't work like that. It ain't gonna work. I think one of the biggest problems facing the capital C church today is the fact that we have way too many people that have enough Christianity to make them nicer, but not enough Christianity to actually change the person that they are. I mean, come on, it's real talk in here this morning, but we need to hear it. Why don't you nudge the person next to you and say, he ain't talking to me, but I hope you're listening. He ain't talking to me. You better be listening. New song, we can't afford to build a version of Christianity that allows us to be inoculated as if Jesus is the flu. If you want to eliminate the opportunity or the chance for you to catch the flu, what do you do? You get a little jab in the arm that we call a flu shot. Do you know what they're actually giving you when you get a flu shot? You're getting the flu but not enough of it to infect you, just enough of it that you develop antibodies. So this is the question that I wanna wanna ask you. How many people do we see that come to church maybe every other week that are just coming to get that Jesus flu shot? They want just enough Jesus so that they feel better Just enough Jesus that they act nicer, but not enough Jesus that the friends are going to notice. Not enough Jesus that the coworkers are going to notice. They're saying, hey, I want to check in on Facebook on Sunday, but I ain't looking to get my hands dirty. I don't necessarily want to make a difference. I just want to give an appearance. And yet so many are sick and tired of the same crazy cycle in their life. They so badly want life change. They want Jesus to come in and radically change their life. They want to make a difference in their family, in their community. And they just, maybe sometimes they don't know where to start, or maybe if they know where to start, they've discovered that there's going to be a price to pay, and they're just not quite willing to pay that price but you have to be willing to get on bending knee. Open your heart, open your hands to be able to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you everything. I'm holding nothing back for me. You matter more to me than anything else in my life. New song, we can no longer afford to be content with a weekly sample of Jesus. We have to be ready to go all in. Because I'm telling you, there's a real heaven and there's a real hell that far too many of our generation are heading towards if some things don't change. If they don't have some people like you that'll get out there and be able to lead by example and encourage them and come alongside them and do life with them and and disciple them. They're in desperate need. Being in youth ministry, I see it all the time. The numbers break my heart. Numbers that say things like how teen suicide is rampant in the U.S. right now. Numbers that would tell you literally that four out of ten, four out of ten teenagers have at least at some point Thought, dark suicidal thought. That two out of ten, two out of ten have gone as far as planning one out. That's too many. Addiction numbers are up. The fact that you see so many young people and, and really adults alike that are viewing things on the internet that they know they shouldn't be viewing. You see numbers like seven, eight out of 10 teenagers will have seen these things by the time they even hit high school. We're in a real battle, new song. We can't afford to sit on our hands. We can't afford to come in and and just be happy and content with a little Jesus flu shot. We have to be ready to be literally taken over by Jesus. I'm tired seeing people walk out of churches across this country with Jesus on their lips, but no evidence of Jesus in their heart. It's time that we change that. It made me think of a story I recently read in the book of Acts. Have any of you ever read the story about the the seven sons of Sceva? It's a great story if you haven't read it. Acts chapter 19. So in, this, in the book of Acts, you have this priest. His name is Sceva, and he has seven sons, thus the seven sons of Sceva. And these seven sons, they have a little business going on, and their business is exorcism. They're kind of like the original Ghostbusters, right? When there's something weird in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Seven sons of Sceva. It doesn't flow as well but you get the picture. So they would literally go and they would cast out demons for a fee. And one day they're out and about doing business and and they come across some of the early apostles. They see Peter and John out there casting out demons, but it's different because they have authority and they're going up to these people that are demon possessed. And they're simply saying, in the name of Jesus, come out. And these demons are coming out of them. But the seven sons of Sceva see that and they're like, oh my. You mean we could get done in a moment? What normally takes us a whole day? We could charge the same fee? I need to get in on this racket. So what do they do? All of a sudden, the next demon-possessed person that they're in front of, they're like, we got this. I know how this is gonna work. So they go up to them and they say, in the name of Jesus and Peter, come out. And something interesting happens. The demon possessed man literally sits up. He looks at him and he says, Jesus I know, and Peter I know, but who are you? And then the Bible says he proceeds to beat all seven of them up. And as you read in Acts, next thing you know, the seven sons of Sceva are running down the street, beat up and naked. And I think we can learn something, New Song, from those seven sons of Sceva. Is look what happens when you have Jesus on your lips, but you don't have the love of Jesus in your heart. That's what was going on with the seven sons of Sceva. And New Song, I want you to know something. I want you to know that Jesus has all the victory that you need for every onslaught of the enemy that you might be up against. You have victory over cancer. You have victory over depression. You have victory over anxiety because our God is greater and our God is able. And we need to start taking that authority. We need to rearrange some things in our lives And we need to make sure that Jesus is at the top and that we love everything else less. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna close. New song. Jesus is giving a massive invitation in this scripture. He's saying, you can be a follower of mine. You can be my disciple. He's saying that you can have Jesus mold your life. Not popular culture, not this messed up culture, but Jesus, the one who did not take our life, but who gave us his life instead. He can be the one that molds you. So again, why would we turn down that invitation? With every eye closed and, and head bowed, I promised you, if you hung around for about 25 minutes, I'd give you that opportunity. And now's that time. If you've been listening, and maybe the Holy Spirit has been kind of tugging on your heart that says, Oh my, that's me. I, I need to start that relationship with Jesus. I, I, I've never had that before, but I want it, I want that power. I need it. Sick and tired of this life that I've been living and I'm ready for something totally different. If that's you in this building with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just be bold enough just to shoot your hand up right now? Just shoot it up. It's awesome. I see that hand. Awesome. You can go ahead and put your hands down. I just want you to We're gonna say a prayer and and you can feel free to repeat it word for word, just kind of to yourself. You can make it your own. There's nothing magic about the words. You just have to mean it in your heart. Don't just have it on your lips, mean it in your heart. And then I wanna ask a second question real quick. How many would be honest enough with your pastor and with God To to just say, you know what? There are some things in my life that I have gotten out of place that this morning I want to get them in right relationship, in right order. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up? Hands all over the building. Guess what? My hand's up too. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray for you as well that today is gonna be a day that you place a stake in the ground and say, from this moment forward, I might've got it wrong in the past, but I'm gonna get it right from this moment forward. Jesus is gonna be number one in my life. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you in my life. Lord, I am sorry that I have lived out my life to this point without you. But Lord, I am calling out to you right now. Lord, you are my savior. You are Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and three days later you were resurrected and you are at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for me. Lord, I pray that you would change me from the inside out. Lord, that I would have a newfound boldness that I've never had before. And I will live for you and give you everything, all of 2019 and beyond. And Lord, I pray for every single person that shot their hand up to say, yep, that's me. I'm telling you, I've got some things out of place and I need to get it right. Lord, I pray that you would give them that insight and that wisdom on what those things are that they need to reprioritize and to place you back on top in their heart. And Lord, I pray that every single person here goes out these doors today different than the way they came in. And I pray that and I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com nextsteps Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.